Widely regarded as the most beautiful avenue in the world, the Champs-Élysées runs for two kilometers through the 8th arrondissement in northwestern Paris. <sighs> Sadly, I'm not on the Champs-Élysées in Paris. I'm on Queen Street in Auckland. But imagine if it was something like this. The avenue evolved as the major plantings on either side matured and grand buildings were constructed fronting it. People would be pouring into the city and all its problems would be solved. And in 1828, the wide footpaths, gas lanterns and fountains were added. Now one of the main tourist attractions of Paris... OK, OK, dreams are free, but that's one urban planner's bold, even crazy idea to revive the city centre. I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and today on The Detail, vacant shop fronts and offices, rough sleepers, crime, construction noise. Downtown Auckland is suffering, but it's too important to write off. This area of 4.3 square kilometres generates $23 billion, or 20% of the city's economic output, and 45,000 people live there. Later on, I'm going to Britomart to get an idea of just how empty the offices are there and what they're doing about it. But first, I'm strolling down Queen Street with NZME's Simon Wilson. Starting at the centre of the arts hub, Altair Square, where families are heading to the ice skating rink. The ice skating rink is fantastic. Yeah. You know, Falun are here, yeah. as they always are. This place buzzes during the day when, there are, when it's activated. What's not good? Like, if you come down here sometimes, it just feels a bit gloomy. Yes. The perennial problem for Altair Square is that it's not activated all around its perimeter. Altair Centre has redone its cafe uh, up there. The Town Hall is a beautiful building, but it isn't activated to the square. And then you've got the big, uh, what's now called the Sky World in- Indoor Entertainment Centre, which is a relic of the 80s. Blitz and glam, you know, it had a pretty good food hall in there, actually. It's got the cinemas in there still, but the place is... Um, really struggling now because of COVID. Auckland has an opportunity there to have that European-style cafe spilling out into the piazza. We've actually got it. We've built it. It's right there. We don't use it like that. So it's just somehow not inviting. Yeah. I want to talk to you about what's wrong with downtown and I suppose what the solutions are that people are talking about. One of the things that's happening is that which makes it very difficult, is that there are some big solutions underway, but they are taking time. The old CAB building, which used to be the council building next to Aotea Centre, that's being renovated into apartments, and behind it there are other buildings that are coming along. So there's going to be hundreds and hundreds more people living and working right there on the square. It's going to take another few years until that's fully activated, but when it is, it's going to make this, this part of Queen Street much more buzzy. When you look further down Queen Street, there is a slow but steady implementation of the Centre City Master Plan. And the thing that's happened most significantly recently is that this block, which has the Civic on it, is going to be closed to cars. Um, oh, it is? Effectively, yes. So it's for buses, you know, people on bikes, um, uh, service vehicles, those sorts of things. And the theory of that is that it helps people reorient themselves to the idea that Queen Street is not a through street for traffic. 
Yeah. Yeah. So there are people who think it's just great to be able to drive into Queen Street, park outside the shop and go and shop. But this is not a small village. This is not Taipei. You know, this is a big city. It's not how you. It's not how it can function. You make it a great place to be on foot, and you attract people to it. When we talk about downtown, is Queen Street the biggest worry? Do you think? Oh, I think so. I, Why? I really do. Should Street, we go for a walk down? Shall we do that? Yeah, lock, yeah, the bike? lock your bike. Yeah. And like you say, there are these wider paths now. Yes. I mean, they're very wide, metres wide. That's right. One of the things that the council has done is they are creating what they're calling a kind of rapid um, lane for people who are on bikes or scooters or fast walkers, is the phrase they use. Can we, yeah. Can we just stop here for a minute and look yep. at this? Yeah. What are we looking at? Well, oh, the, a I'm... rapid lane for people who are fast walkers... And on bikes and scooters is nuts. We've just been oh. uh, had a guy come through on the footpath behind us on a bike, quite yeah. fast. You don't want that, you no. know? The, the, the priority ought to be pedestrians. They should feel safe. And then the cyclists and the scooter riders should feel safe. And the traffic that is there should also feel that the other stuff isn't getting in their way. It's quite possible to divide it. Um, While we're so here, Simon, we've just come, you know, we way down from Altair Square. And on our left... At so this, this lovely the, old the, building. The back of the Civic building back here. Back of the Civic. Yep, and um, the, this, which years ago used to be Borders, and a wonderful big bookshop that came to Auckland, then that didn't work. It's for lease, as you can see yeah, now. Yeah, for lease yeah. signs up there. And yep. then we look across the road. This is the St. James. That's right. The old St. James. Yeah, so you can see what remains of the old St. James is a sliver of facade of the old building behind that mm. scaffolding up there, which is just terribly sad. And full yeah. of graffiti yeah. and then and billboards. The, the problem here has been that the owner wanted to renovate, yeah, there wasn't the money, and in the end it just became too hard. So the St James Auditorium, which is a beautiful place, yeah. is still there. But its frontage onto Queen Street is just now a nightmare. So I'm not aware that there are any right. immediate plans to fix that. And it's a great shame because activating that yeah, would transform this part of the town. It would be, be fantastic if that yeah. could happen. Council probably is not going to do it. Council is very stretched for cash, you know, so it's hard to see that they would they would say yes to that. But funny you should mention that this area has become a bit of a bus depot because yeah. you can hear the buses oh, yeah. and there's one, yeah. two, three, four, five buses just in this one block. That's bus right, a, and, and, and this is, what, mid-morning and mm. they're all double-deckers and they're all diesel buses. Oh. Um, so this is transitional. Yeah. You know, the, the, in, in, in time, the only buses in Queen Street, theoretically, will be electric buses. Um, and then in more time, there won't be so many of them. Yeah. But it will take a while. All right, shall we keep going? Yeah. There's the ubiquitous orange cones. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody says they hate orange cones, but the, the thing to keep telling yourself with orange cones is that they're a sign of progress. You know, okay. they're a sign that something's being fixed or developed or made better. Yep, that's um, positive. And yeah. a city without orange cones will be a dead city. Okay, shall we keep going sure. down Queen Street? So you come to, we're standing right outside the entrance to the Civic at the moment. Yeah. You look up to the art gallery, you know, look up towards the Altea Centre. You know, the Civic is the pride and joy of Auckland, or certainly of downtown Auckland. Yeah. It is the most magnificent building we have, on you know, yeah. personal view, it. but I don't think I would be uncommon, unusual in saying that. Mm, inside and, and outside. Well, yes, but we're standing yeah. here, and it's like we're at the back of something. Why is this not more, wow, what a great place to 
to be and to mingle in before the big event or whatever, or just to, just to be here? So we're going to go diagonally. Okay. I don't come down here. You know, it might be months before I come down here, even though I work just a few blocks up. But it feels like every time you come down, there's a, there's a new shop or a shop's closed. Yes. So I, a little while ago, I counted the number of empty shops uh, from here down to uh, the railway station, I counted 38, and I didn't count the shops in the arcades. And you know, it's it's a, it's a difficult time for shopkeepers, and there are many reasons for it. COVID's the obvious reason, but it's not the only reason. No. What's happened in Auckland downtown shopping is that it has reoriented. So Commercial Bay at the bottom of Queen Street sucked a lot of these shops into it. Um, and Britomart, which is next to Commercial Bay behind the railway station, also sucked a lot of downtown shops from High Street and Queen Street into, into there as well. Mm. And while all that was happening, because it took years to happen because everything had to be built, the shopkeepers who've remained, and much more particularly the landlords who've remained, watched it, complained about things, and have done almost nothing to fight back. And it's a really interesting contrast if you think about, in Auckland, you think about Ponsonby Road. Ponsonby Road nearly died 10, 15 years ago. The Ponsonby Business Association said, we're not having this. And they fought back. They worked out how to reactivate their area. They put on market days in the weekends. They did a whole lot of things to get people back. Worked hard to get quality tenants in. Ponsonby Road is thriving again. Mm. Yeah, it can be done. Commercial Bay and Britomart have managed to have curated their properties to make them attractive. In Queen Street, the landowners don't seem to have that capacity or that ability no, to do it. It's a tragedy. We're looking across the road at Smith & Coe, yeah. which is a landmark building yeah. as well as store in Queen Street. Sadly, that was ram-raided yeah. not so long ago. But that, that kind of points to another problem. It does. Yes. The crime yes, and people, right. this yep. perception, I don't know if it's true, that there is rising crime. Um, it's hard to know because the police data doesn't break out that the specific downtown area. Actually, even if it isn't as bad as some people might think, we think it's true. So mm. the crime issue of crime in downtown Auckland has frightened away a lot of people. And I hear from people all the time who say, why would I go anywhere near that place? I'm just going to get attacked. If people think that, that's the problem. Yeah. So it needs a whole lot of things to address it. It needs societal issues, but it also needs better policing. Yeah. It needs the defensive measures for outside shops, but you don't want to turn Queen Street into a barricaded area. You don't want to treat it like that. There's got to be a better solution than that. Yeah. But the solution to all urban social problems is that you've got to put lots of people in. The central city is far from dead. A lot of people live here, tens of thousands of people live here, and many more than that still work here. So it's just about readjusting to that new reality. We're down the road at Britomart now to talk to Jeremy Hansen, Head of Communications and Community at Britomart Group. It has redeveloped the precinct that stretches over nine blocks and include offices, cafes and retail shops. Because... It's not just Queen Street that's struggling. City centres around the world are hurting because people just aren't coming back to the office. Jeremy's working with other property and business leaders on revitalising downtown. 
So Britomart is located above the Britomart Transport Centre and it grew out of that of Auckland Council's decision to bring rail back to the centre of the city and to save the historic buildings above the station and to allow, allow new buildings to be put in the gaps, really. Britomart is a single developer that has the long-term lease on this nine-block part of the city so it can take public space development into the equation. And, you know, it's quite lovely standing here, isn't it, even though it's a grey day and it's starting to rain on us. <laughs> and we'll it's paint a sunnier windy. picture for others. We'll paint a sunny picture because um, we're looking at some low-level buildings directly in front of us and there are things like restaurants and boutique shops, you, you could say. Yes. And it's sort of got a bit, bit of a festive atmosphere. And it's quite fabulous because it's surrounding us are all these high-rise buildings. So you're, you feel like you're in the, in the middle of a city, but it's a sort of an oasis. It's, that's the um, feeling we'd like people have, to have. But you, you're going to have to come up with, a, with some solutions quite soon, aren't you? I mean, it's midwinter, and right now we've got another wave of COVID. But also businesses... They can't be waiting around a couple of years, really, can they, for things to pick up? No, it's a mixed picture. A lot of our performance of the restaurants and cafes at, at Britomart has been really good lately, really robust, and I think that's because a lot of them are destinations in their own right. Retail is a slightly different picture because it's more challenging for them because, to a certain extent, they do depend on footfall. But you've also got to remember that you know, for all intents and purposes, the borders are still largely closed because people from far away have not been able to plan visits. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of international students live in the central city. In on any given day pre-COVID, there would be hundreds, if not thousands, of tourists in the central city area as well. So we think that come spring, there'll be a marked difference here going into the summer. You raised the point saying... We're in a situation where much of the media coverage about the central city lately has focused on violence and a kind of ghost town narrative. How much of a worry is that? The narrative was quite frustrating because we felt that if people come to the central city, they generally don't feel unsafe at all. Sure, there are kind of parts of the city that are under construction at the moment where you know the physical environment is kind of not as pristine as you'd like it to be. Mm. The biggest challenge, in a sense, was that while the city was slightly empty, it seemed that antisocial behaviour was kind of more visible or amplified somehow. And as people have come back, a lot of those concerns have disappeared and we've seen, you know, less graffiti, less antisocial behaviour because I think there's a kind of safety in numbers. And the police have worked really hard on this too. We've certainly noticed that overall the environment seems to have improved much more and that, you know, our own operations team is feeling much better about the overall situation now that there are just greater numbers of people back here generally. Yeah. When buildings are locked up and um, a city is locked down, it's quite a different behavioural set of circumstances, I think, than what we're seeing now. A lot of the rest of the world is, has opened up. Yes. Do you get inspired by any particular city and what they have done? Well, I think what's interesting is that the challenges Auckland Central City is facing currently are not unique in the least. But I do think that um, businesses here are being much more measured in their response. Like in the US, you've seen a lot of people, a lot of firms go completely virtual and try to get out of leases and allow people to live wherever they want to. Here, the people I've been talking to are being less hurried in their response. They've embraced flexibility, but none of them are downsizing. They still see that in-person gatherings and in-person work 
is fundamentally important to their businesses, but they're recalibrating how they do that. It's not necessarily default um, being in the office all the time, but it's about coming in for strategy sessions and brainstorming and client service meetings and that kind of thing. Mm. We are watching overseas examples closely, but there's no kind of comparable city that can claim that it's cracked it as far as the vitality of its central city goes because central cities have been the areas most affected by COVID and therefore that tail is longer in terms of the comeback for them as well. I know someone who was in London recently who said it's like there was no, never any pandemic. Nobody even talks about it and the place is as crowded as it's ever been. Mm, although there's still a lot of remote work going on Manhattan, for example, has huge, huge challenges because a lot of those firms have gone fully virtual. But I think there's an interesting situation here in that businesses are taking a wait-and-see approach in consultation with their staff about what works best for everybody. I think we're definitely going to see a move away from long rows of cubicles and desks in a row to um, interactive spaces to little pods where people can get away for Zoom meetings if they need to. You'll be aware of the kind of trend of hot desking of the last mm. few years. And there's also been a lot of frustration about hot desking on the part of some businesses because it kind of introduces a barrier to coming to the office. Like if you turn up and then you haven't remembered to book a desk or you can't find your team and that kind of stuff, it introduces this layer of complication. So what we're seeing now is that people are trying to kind of find a way through that. And there's also a push from a lot of companies to have their leaders in the offices much more consistently because in the early days of the return to work, there were quite a lot of young team members preferring to come to the office because it was a nicer environment, rattling around without kind of mentoring or supervision because their bosses were often at home. So there's been a much more consistent effort from a lot of the businesses here to have leaders in the office on a really regular basis. Isn't it a bit scary though for a company like yours that does have a lot of office space knowing that there is this whole rethink going on and big clients could make a decision when their lease is up that they're not going to be here anymore. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, but nobody at work has behaved in a way that would suggest they're scared. And what's been interesting from observing what's going on in the US, for example, is that the, there's still been a kind of shift to quality. So the places that are really pressured are the kind of mid-range office space where not a lot of attention has been put on providing really high-quality spaces for people that reward the effort of coming in. Mm. Um, at Britomart, we've always focused really closely on providing a kind of overall high-quality experience in terms of the buildings we make yeah. um, or renovate and in terms of the public spaces we create for people. The main focus for us at Britomart and the rest of the central city is just to kind of provide a place that is a magnet for people. And we have some of the elements here to do that. We have beautiful public spaces. We have really well-planted, pedestrianised streets. We have great cafes and places for people to spend time in. And we have to keep doing that work in this new environment with a focus on how people's needs have shifted and what the importance of place really means to them. Let's get back to Queen Street now with Simon Wilson. Let's make this a fabulous market. Let's get the shopkeepers to come out onto the street, have the council support it with entertainments, uh, with a whole lot of activities that people come to. There's just enough time to plan that for spring. Okay. <laughs> so let's get that going. <laughs> so that's a first step. Yeah. Uh, the second step is that with all these empty shops, everything possible should be done to put things in them. 
There are landlords who tell me they've tried and they can't get people to take the shops. Well, some of those people are have priced themselves out of um, contention. The landlords. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are prepared to drop their rates, and and, and some aren't, but they have to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and people think, why would why would a landlord not offer a cheaper rent you know, if it meant they got someone at least they're getting some money? There is actually a financial reason for it. Uh, if you drop the rents on a property, you drop its value because the value is calculated on the rental return over a year of the property. I see, yeah. So landlords have to think past that for the good of the city. So they're they, worried that the value of their property yeah, will drop. Yeah, but actually, if you think about that for just a nanosecond, that's just completely nonsensical. Yeah. Because obviously, if Queen Street isn't restored, the value of all these properties is going to go through the floor. Mm. Activating the shops is the single most valuable thing that could happen. If these shops fill up, then there's more for everybody, more reason for everybody to come in and and, and spend time here. Um, There needs to be much more of an outdoor culture. They've created the wider footpaths, so let's use them. But also the entertainment stuff and and, and making it into little parklets and all the rest of it, all of that stuff's valuable. Is that going to happen, though? We've now reached Victoria Street, which, as it happens, is where it's going to happen. So Victoria Street is a big cross street uh, leading up to Albert Park at one end and Victoria Park at the other. Victoria Street is going to be what they're calling a linear park. It'll be heavily pedestrianised, lots of greenery, lots of trees, lots of places to sit. Yeah, which is is fabulous. In ten years' time, if we were standing on this corner... um, (laughs) <laughs> so in, in, ten, like? in ten years' time, if all the work is done, which is a big if, mm. um, there will be uh, beneath our feet. There may be uh, the, the light rail line. The, uh, there will be people spilling out of the CRL uh, station, uh, the normal rail station. Uh, there will be a whole lot of on the footpath activation of the shops. They'll all be full. Um, it could be very exciting. There is still a lot of potential here. We're looking at the farmer's building here. That's a lovely old building. You go, if you look further down the street, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one. There are actually uh, a lot of lovely buildings here. Now, getting them activated at ground level is, is really important, but the bones are here still to make this a lovely street. It needs the office space uh, to be attractive because the other thing that's happened is not just shops that have disappeared to better places, offices have as well. So uh, mm. there are big big corporates that have moved out of the Queen Street Valley and moved to Britomart or moved to Wynyard Quarter or perhaps even further afield. The landlords here have to arrest that by offering really attractive, making really attractive counter offers. We know from COVID and we know because there are other better offices around, we'll never get Queen Street back as the centre of all commerce the way it used to be. So because of that, some of these buildings, a lot of these buildings, have to look at what else they're going to be used for. Uh, And the obvious answer is apartments. So the regulations to encourage it, the incentives to encourage it, and the determination to do it all have to exist. What a lot of people say is, I used to come into Queen Street when I was a kid, and it was fabulous. We're not getting that back. And what people are remembering actually didn't happen anyway. The... The argument to pedestrianise Queen Street because it was chock full of cars and wasn't working and was, was actually a major pollutant area and all of the rest goes back decades. Dovemire Robinson tried very hard to pedestrianise Queen Street. This is really? not a new argument. So we're not getting that fantasy back. Um, and nor are we getting 
everybody back into all the offices to be office buildings. That's not going to happen either. Never? Oh, I don't think so. If you want to have a place full of people, then you make it a place full of people by making it a place that people can walk around in and, and that people will come to because there are lots of things to do here. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Mark Jennings and Sarah Robson. And our associate producer is Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Simon Wilson and Jeremy Hansen. Kakite anō. 